You are listening to the Kensington Church Podcast, recorded live in Michigan. To learn more about Kensington, visit kensingtonchurch.org. All he's ever been is kind. Sometimes that's really easy to believe. When life is going in a direction that we like, God seems kind. But as that song said, when marriages don't work, when rehab turns to relapse, when healing doesn't come, it can be a lot harder to believe that he is kind. Those lyrics are raw and honest. Maybe even a little uncomfortable for some of us because the hardship, the suffering is very real. Because when we experience the unthinkable, it's, it's hard to imagine his goodness. Divorce, depression, cancer, Loneliness, the pressures of life, of school, of parenting. So when life doesn't go in the way that we expect it to, it's really easy to, to question, to doubt. For much of my life, I felt like I could never say any of the doubts or questions that I had about God or faith. I grew up in a church culture that almost expected blind belief, that we were to never question anything. So when I did have doubts, I felt ashamed. Less than because a true Christian would never have doubts about God. But I did. And I think when we experience that, we have this fear of being ridiculed, questioned, shamed for having questions and doubts about God. (laughs) Preparing for this message, I came across many doubts that others have experienced around faith and God. One person's experience when they shared those questions resulted in being told, you are not allowed to ask questions like that. Get thoughts like that out of your head right now if you want to remain a Christian. I mean, when we have experiences like that, if we do not just walk away from faith altogether, doubt becomes the enemy. So then we try to either downplay it, we crucify it, we vilify it, or we see doubt as like a set of dominoes. And if one domino wobbles, like if we have one question, there is this fear that if the domino falls over, all the others are going to follow and everything is going to come crashing down because of doubt. Yet according to Barna Research, most Christians at some point doubt what they believe about God or their religion. And there's many reasons why we doubt. Sometimes it is because of suffering, because of experiencing the unthinkable, or it's the unanswered questions, or it's church or religious corruption or more. Sometimes it's because there's this idea out there that kind of goes along this line of, God will never give you anything more than what you can handle. Well, if that's true then, what are we left to conclude when life does give us more than what we can handle? 
Is God still faithful then? Does he restore? Does he hear us? I mean, does he care? Does he actually love us? Does he even exist? Is he still kind? There's this phrase that has been quoted by a number of people that says, the opposite of faith is not doubt. It's certainty. Faith with no doubt allows no room for God to move beyond really what we understand, what we expect, or what we ourselves sometimes create. So what are we supposed to do with our doubts? Today we're going to lean into the story of someone who had some doubts and see how their experience can hopefully lead us. So will you join me as we just take a moment to pray and to ask God that he would be the one to reveal that to us today. God, I just thank you so much just for this opportunity to gather together for everyone here in our auditorium and those watching online. And we just pray that you would be the one that would speak to our hearts today, God. That you would reveal to us really what we are to do with the doubts and the questions that we have about you around faith. And I pray that you would show us who you are in this and that we would have greater clarity and an understanding of the goodness and the kindness of you. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. good morning. Welcome to everyone who is joining us online. We are so glad that you are here with us. My name is Shauna. I'm part of our team here at Kensington. And today we are wrapping up our series called bring it. And so the last four weeks, we've been talking about the different ways that we can bring really anything and everything to Jesus. And so as we wrap this up, though, it's so exciting to hear about the things that are still coming up, how next weekend we have an incredible weekend with our Thanksgiving baskets, which is one of my favorite things that we get to be a part of here at Kensington, for me personally, where we get to go love people in our community by meeting some very practical needs, by giving them some things that will really make a Thanksgiving special for them. And then the very next day, next Sunday, is our Baptism Sunday, where we get to experience life transformation, how Jesus has been working in people's lives, and how they are now saying, I am going to be a follower of Jesus. And that is something that we are just so passionate about here, is for people to experience life transformation because of Jesus. So it's through these events, it's through the ministries at our campuses, it's the way that we move out into our communities, it's through the relationships that we have with indigenous leaders around the world. And it is something that we all get to be a part of. And one of the ways we do that is through our giving. And so at this time in the service, we're going to invite the ushers to come. We're going to pass the bags. That's one of the ways that you can give, or you can see in the screen there how you can give electronically. But we invite you to jump in and be a part of this. Be a part of the mission of seeing lives changed because of Jesus Christ, because of his love, his hope, that he brings that transformation. So thank you so much for being on mission with us. And we are so excited to see how God is going to continue to move in and through us as a community here at Kensington. Now, doubt is a part of being a human. Like, everyone experiences doubt. Now, sometimes we experience doubt because maybe a question will make us reconsider something. Now, do I have any fans of the TV show The Office? All right, thank you. You are all my people. Yes, let's connect after service. And if you didn't, the right answer was yes, you are a fan. I'm not kidding. No, it is one of my favorite shows. But there is this episode where the employees of Dunder Mifflin have bought their coworker Stanley a get well card. And the card reads, 
Glad they didn't mix up your tonsillectomy with a mustachectomy. And they're all like, ha, 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 because Stanley has a mustache. But then one of the coworkers, Jim, says, does Stanley have a mustache? And they're like, oh. Well, some of the group is like, yes, of course, Stanley has a mustache. He's always had a mustache. He has a mustache. But then there's another group who's like, no, no, I don't know. Stanley does not have a mustache. We've gotten him in the wrong kind of car. Oh, my gosh, Stanley doesn't have a mustache. And then there's some who are like, I don't know. Does, does Stanley have a mustache? I don't know. So it causes all this commotion. One employee goes as far to draw a couple pictures of Stanley. And they're like, is it Stanley with the mustache? Stanley, no mustache. What do we think? And it's all of this commotion. And they're like, oh, my gosh, we don't know. But then they're like, Phyllis. See, Phyllis... She has sat directly across from Stanley for the last 20 years. We're talking like face to face. So they're like, Phyllis, does Stanley have a mustache? And she's like, oh, I don't know now, maybe. And they're all like, oh, my gosh. And then as a viewer watching the show, you start going, does Stanley have a mustache? I don't know. I mean, I have watched the show. I don't, I'm not going to tell you, okay? That would not be good. I don't want to admit how many times. But I've watched it a few times, and you're like, does Stanley have a mustache? This one question that Jim asked created all of this doubt for every employee at Dunder Mifflin and every viewer. So the big question is, does Stanley have a mustache? Possibly. <laughs> he sure does. Stanley has a mustache. But sometimes we doubt what we already know. Sometimes we doubt if the Lions are going to win. But we don't have that today, right? The Lions are going to win today. We don't have that doubt. Sometimes, though, we doubt our relationships. We doubt the long-term compatibility or if someone really does love us. Sometimes we doubt whether what someone has told us is true, like the identity of Santa Claus. Sometimes we doubt ourselves in our skills, our abilities, whether that be from our cooking to math abilities to our reasoning or our parenting. And sometimes we doubt our faith, God's existence, who he is. Now today we're leaning into the story of a guy named John. And John, he was a very devoted follower of Jesus. But what makes John very unique is that he was also a family member of Jesus. They were related. They were like cousins. They were basically born around the same time. Now, after John's birth, Scripture does not reveal much about his upbringing. Now, there's a good chance that maybe John and Jesus saw each other at, you know, holidays or festivals when family gathered. Maybe they even did some of those combo birthday parties. Have you ever had one of those because your cousin was three weeks apart and your parents are like, you can have the party together. And you're like, what? Parents are like, yes, we saved money. But who knows? But John, he knew Jesus. And at some point when John was older, he began proclaiming and preaching that God was coming by saying that the kingdom of God is near. See, John was chosen by God to proclaim Jesus, to reveal who Jesus was before Jesus ever did. So John, he was actually like, he was a big deal. I mean, John even had his own group of followers. John witnessed when Jesus proclaimed for the very first time that he was God, when he revealed that he, he heard him say, I am he and I am here. John was the one who baptized Jesus in the Jordan River, and he heard the voice from heaven say, this is my son. 
And even after Jesus went public and was doing all of his ministry, John continued to preach, but instead of saying God was coming, he said God was here. John, oh, he knew Jesus. But John's preaching did not sit too well with the government. And eventually he was arrested, and then he was thrown into prison, and he actually faced the possibility of having his head removed. I mean, things in John's life really took a turn for the worst. I mean, my guess is that this was not what John had expected. And the unexpected has led to some questions. In Luke 7, it says, The disciples of John the Baptist told John about everything Jesus was doing. So John called for two of his disciples, and he sent them to the Lord to ask him, Are you the Messiah we've been expecting? Or should we keep looking for someone else? So now John was questioning who Jesus was. But why? I mean, he knows Jesus. I mean, they're cousins. What? But when you think about it, John has been sitting in prison for maybe around a year with the threat of his head, losing his head. And Jesus this whole time has been out there helping and ministering to every other person. And he hasn't once come to see or rescue John. So I can see maybe where John would be kind of like, huh, has Jesus forgotten about me? I don't know. I mean, um, maybe, maybe he just doesn't remember. I don't know. We had some, we had some good times. But, or maybe, maybe Jesus isn't who he said he was. Maybe he's a fraud. Maybe all of this has been a big sham, and it's really that's not what he's all about. Or maybe I've been following the wrong Jesus. That's what it is. There's a totally different Jesus. I got this whole thing mixed up. I got to go find the real Jesus. So John is now doubting literally everything he's ever known about Jesus and whether or not he really is the Messiah. I mean, have you ever experienced a level of doubt that was so strong that it made you rethink everything you had been previously like, you're like, yes, this is 100% sure of. Because sometimes when things don't go the way that we thought, when it seems like you're at the end of your rope, when you can't handle anymore, you kind of go, oh, maybe not. And I imagine that John is pretty close to the breaking point. Because this is not how it was supposed to be. I mean, sure, he probably knew the risks of telling others about Jesus. But he's probably thinking, well, if anything happens, he'll be fine. I mean, Jesus, he's got my back. We're family. But now John is sitting in prison, needing Jesus probably the most he's ever needed him, and it's nothing. Crickets. Like, it didn't make sense. Have you ever experienced that? When you're going through something, and it doesn't make sense, especially if God really is on your side. My husband owns his own business, and I, the last, gosh, while it has felt like it's just one thing after another. Customers have cheated him out of money. Contracts have been broken that just left us going, what the heck, months without work. I mean, I mean if God really is on our side... 
Why does it feel like we just can't catch our breath? Maybe for you it was the job loss, the cancer diagnosis, the failed adoption, the foreclosure, the the relationship unraveling, and you're just going, this doesn't make sense. So now John says, okay, I'm going to send two of my disciples to Jesus. It's almost like his last-ditch effort to say, okay, like if, if I reach out to, G- to Jesus, then, then everything will be okay because he, he'll step in. He'll prove himself. He'll fix everything. So how does Jesus respond? John's two disciples found Jesus and said to him, John the Baptist sent us to ask, Are you the Messiah we've been expecting? Or should we keep looking for someone else? At that very time, Jesus cured many people of their diseases, illnesses, and evil spirits. And he restored sight to many who were blind. Then he told John's disciples, Go back to John and tell him what you have seen and heard. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, The dead are raised, and the good news is being preached to the poor. And he added, God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. So Jesus responds by saying that the evidence of what he was doing speaks for itself. Like, yep, I'm the guy. There isn't another Messiah to come. But in that, he tells John that he's not coming to his rescue, but that he hopes that he will not fall away from following him because of it. What I love so much about this response from Jesus is that he doesn't scold John, he doesn't humiliate him, he does not ridicule him for having doubts in questions. I mean, Jesus could have been like, Seriously, John sent you two dudes to come ask me if I'm the Messiah. If I'm the Messiah, of course I'm the Messiah. He knows. No, I mean, he doesn't do that. Instead, he actually responds to John in a way that John would understand. And we also see in this response from Jesus how he is caring, how he tenderly really responds to those with wavering faith. Jesus meets people in their curiosity and their doubts. He met John in his doubt. Jesus' response to John, though, I think is such an important moment, though, for us to understand. Because it almost goes in complete contrast with what maybe you have believed or maybe you have been taught about the nature of God. Because we want a God who's going to comply with the life that we want to live. Because we want to have a life that is carefree, full of happiness and freedom. We want it to be a good life. And then when life gets difficult, we expect, well, Jesus will intervene. He'll make sure everything turns out fine. He'll lighten the load. It's no problem because God won't give you more than what you can handle. Because we want a response from Jesus that would eradicate any of our doubts. So then we end up putting our hope and we believe in this idea An idea that we hear in songs, in books, in sermons. I mean, it's what we say to people when they're going through a hard time. Oh, it's okay. God won't give you more than what you can handle. But the problem with that is, 
It's built on false understanding. You might be like, no, 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 that's in the Bible. The verse where we get this idea comes out of 1 Corinthians 10. And it says, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. At face value, clearly this verse is about temptation. Now, the word temptation at times can be translated as tested or testing. So as this verse has been passed around, translated, passed around, translated, passed around, it's gone under all these changes, and all of a sudden we end up quoting and believing something that's not even the Bible. So then when we have these moments or seasons in life that are difficult, that are hard, they're suffering, it's the, the unthinkable happens, and when Jesus doesn't seem to intervene, we begin to have some doubts and questions about who he is, his character, and his goodness because we have been trusting in a false idea. But this moment with John sitting in prison shows us that an easy, good, happy life is actually not the main focus or goal that Jesus has for us. And that at times we will experience Things that are difficult, that are hard, the unthinkable, and doubt may set in. But we need to remember that Jesus, he did respond to John's doubts. He just didn't rescue John in the way that John wanted. So what are we to do with our doubts then? Are we just to hold on to them, pretend they don't exist, like bury them deep down inside? John shows us that it is okay to have doubts. That it's okay to have questions. And how John responds to his doubts really reveals what we can do. Doubt invites us to be honest with God. See, John, he went to the source. He went to Jesus with his questions. He asked him his questions. And we are invited to do this very same thing, to go to Jesus, to bring him our doubts, to bring the questions that we can be real, honest, and vulnerable with him. And just like how Jesus intentionally responded to John, he's going to do the same for us. He is not going to shame you or ridicule you for any doubt or question that you have. But not only that, not only can we bring to him the doubts and the questions, but we can ask him to help us understand. We can ask him to help us believe. And we see this in scripture. In Luke 17, it says, The apostles said to the Lord, show us how to increase our faith. Or there's this story that we find in Mark chapter 9 of a father and his demon-possessed boy. And it says, the father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. We can ask him to help us understand, help us believe, because we can bring to him our doubts, our questions. We can be honest, real, and vulnerable with him. But many times I think we tend to respond in the opposite way. 
Now, is anyone here a fan of scary movies? I heard an, oh yeah, okay. So, um, I'm definitely not. I'm more of the office, okay? <laughs> but, um, there is definitely, I have an idea of the scary movie, because it kind of follows the same pattern. Because in every scary movie, the protagonist ends up making the exact same mistake all the time. Because at one point in the movie, they're going to be chased by something. And what do they always do? Oh, man. They always run off by themselves in the dark. And if you're watching it, you're going, what are you thinking? Like, common sense says you stay with the group of people if you're being chased. Like, you don't go off in the dark by yourself. No, 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 no. You stay in the light with others. But when it comes to doubt, we tend to do the, that. We tend to run off by ourselves and hide. And the problem, and the, really the danger in this, is that then our doubts can actually become overwhelming and overpowering. But if we really want to begin a journey of understanding and truth, we need to do it in the light of community. Amen. Staying connected in community helps keep us on a path towards belief, and it helps us right-size our doubts. Doubt invites us into community. Now here at Kensington, we have seen really the incredible impact of community, of having places where you can bring your questions. And to share just a little bit more about that is our senior pastor of Kensington, Brian Mowry. One of the things that I love the most is when people give their life to Jesus for the first time. It brings such hope and joy into their life. You know, this is what we're all about, seeing Jesus meet people and impact people. I wanna thank you for your generosity to the church. And this is a season where we get to reflect on our giving. I wanna encourage you to continue to give and maybe make a gift this season. What it goes to is seeing people's lives changed and transformed for Jesus. I wanna share a story with you about a friend named Jasmine who encountered Jesus for the very first time. So there's, there was one time I was just going shopping with my friends and some people came up to me, handing me this flyer and say, hey, have you heard of Jesus? I wanna tell you about him. And then he just started, you know, telling me all this stuff. And I was like, whoa, whoa. This information was being put in my face. That was my very first impression. So it wasn't good. I was born and grew up in China. So before I moved here, of course, my parents were worried about me and one thing they said to me before I moved was, don't you become a Christian. And my husband, he wanted me to at least know about it. And at first, of course, because based on my um, previous experience, I wasn't excited about it. I started reading the book, The Case for Christ, and that was my very first serious encounter with Jesus. The possibility that there was a God or Jesus was real was 3%, and after re reading the book, I think, okay, maybe there's 70, 80% of chance that God is real, Jesus is real, you know? That's just um, opened my mind a little bit. Yeah, yeah. we've been to several churches, um, and uh, the reason we decided to settle at Kensington was because we loved the people there. So we walked in, and some 
somebody was greeting us at the door. They were just smiling and saying, good morning, welcome. It was just so welcoming and warm-hearted. I remember us standing behind the control center in the back section of the auditorium. And I don't remember what song was being played on the stage, but I do remember finding myself with tears after worshiping. We heard about the, the Alpha course through Kensington. So that was, I think, an eight-week course that we just go every week and we talk to people with different backgrounds. There were skeptics like myself, and there were long-term Christians who were having doubts, who said, um, I grew up a Christian, but I just don't know if God is real. The instructor asked you to write down the single question that you wanted to ask God. They put it into an envelope and uh, they will give back to you at the end of the course and hopefully your question will be answered. The question I wrote down on my piece of paper was, why does God need to be worshiped by people? And based on what everybody was telling me, God is all good, God is almighty, and I wanted to believe that. But there's this one point in my mind where I think, well, if God needs to be worshiped or wants to be worshiped by a human being, why is he all good? Because to me, that sounds arrogant. I'm glad that that question was answered along the journey. Now I know that he, he doesn't need it. He wanted for our own good, not for himself. One of the things we talked about during the Alpha course was, do you think it, is, it takes a leap of faith to believe in God, to believe in Jesus? And I used to think, yeah, because I used to not believe at all. And the only way I can think of myself as to how to become a believer is a leap of faith. I just didn't see how it could happen. One of the biggest obstacles for me was the Bible, because, you know, come on, when you look at that, it's, it's intimidating. I, I don't even know where to start, even if I wanted to. We went to the Bible Basics um, at Birmingham campus. Our instructor, Carl, he says the Bible is not a book. The Bible is a library. It's 66 different books, and you can start from any one of them. And then he started telling the structure of the Bible. Then I thought, okay, that's simple enough. Once you have the structure of a very seemingly complicated thing, it makes it easier, makes it more approachable. I got the greatest Christmas gift. It was an NIV study Bible. So when you open any page of that Bible, half of the page was filled by notes, which is great for, for people like me, because there are just things I didn't know. And by reading the verse, it still won't make sense to me. But by reading the notes, it makes a lot of sense. So as Jasmine started attending Birmingham more, uh, we started to get connected a little bit and hear more of her story. And so we went out to brunch with her and my wife and we started talking about just her family experience and just that idea that her mom even said she shouldn't become a Christian. And we started talking about this idea of honor and shame. And in the Asian culture, which, you know, growing up in it, the honor shame culture is so strong and can be such a barrier. Uh, to some of the doubts or questions about following Jesus. And so as we talked about the beauty in which Jesus moves towards us and invites us to, to meet him and experience his love and his grace and his mercy, what it does is it doesn't uh, 
take away the, the tension that we feel, but it gives us a vision of restored honor in our family and in our relationship with him. And I watched as Jasmine started thinking about those words, her eyes started to well up with tears because something was literally breaking inside of her, breaking open to the possibility that she could experience Jesus's love and he could transform her. And it was this beautiful moment where you saw her life start to take another step towards him on a journey of faith. At Kensington, I felt everything was offered to me and it was at my will whether I take them or not versus before, I didn't have a choice. It was shoveled down my throat, <laughs> you know? That, there's a big difference. Love is not forcing you to do. Love is hoping that you will make the right choice, but still respect your own choice. So back to the earlier question of whether it is a leap of faith, I, I think I have, a, I have an answer now to that question. I don't think it's a leap of faith. It's actually a step of faith. So a leap of faith would be like from zero percent jump all the way to a hundred percent where you become a very faithful Christian but that wasn't the case for me and for me it was like one percent or even half a percent at the time and over time there was the last step from you know 99.9 percent .9 to 100 percent and I can't tell you exactly where that moment was but it was somewhere along that journey Jasmine's story is such a great reminder for all of us of how God is always at work in our hearts and that we're all invited into this journey to discover more of him, to bring him our questions. It's such an incredible thought to know how God is just working in all of our campuses right now and that it is right now. We know there are countless stories like Jasmine's at every campus and it's because of you and your giving all year long that allows Kensington to continue to share the good news of Jesus that brings this life transformation. And as Brian mentioned, that we would just hope that as you're looking at the different organizations that you could support with a generous heart at this time of year, that you would consider Kensington so that we can continue to be a community to see everyone transformed and mobilized by Jesus. Because we don't have to face our doubts alone. Now for any of us who are Christ followers, as in the larger body of Christ, we have a responsibility, though, in this. We need to create safe spaces for people to be able to ask their questions, to wrestle through their doubts, to have honest and real conversations about their struggles. Because too often, people, including Christ followers, have felt ashamed because of their questions and doubts about God. Now, does that mean, then, that we all have to have all the answers? No, no. <laughs> It's about providing a space to discover, to be curious, and to be honest together. So let's be a community that creates safe and secure places for people to navigate faith questions. When it comes to faith and doubt, I love this quote from pastor and author Rich Velotis, which said, doubt is not the enemy of faith. It's the ground out of which faith often emerges. Faith requires us to venture in mystery. Instead of ignoring our doubts or seeing them as something bad, lean into your questions and curiosity to discover more. 
Sometimes the unexpected moments of life are kind of like the rumble bumps on the side of the freeway. You know the ones where you're driving along and you've kind of like those, and you're like, and you're like, okay, we're back on track, we're focused. Sometimes when we experience doubt, when life is filled with the doubt because of the unexpected, because of the unthinkable, because of the, the difficult, hard, the unanswered questions, maybe those moments are like those rumble bumps. They're an invitation to reshift our focus on him, to rely on him. 2 Corinthians 12 says, each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. It might just be that the path of doubt is actually a way that God is bringing you into a deeper and richer knowledge and experience of himself. Doubt invites us to depend on God. And I know that might even sound odd if you're kind of like, but I'm doubting God. But see, it's an invitation for us to put our focus on the him of Jesus rather than the what's of faith and the questions and the the unthinkable moments. Because when we do, we can see that our doubts can be reduced. They can be replaced. And they can even be redeemed. So what does that mean for us today? For some of us, that might mean taking some time maybe in the service later today, at some point this week, and having a very honest and real conversation where we begin to share some of these doubts and questions with God. Or maybe it's sharing them with someone that you trust, someone that is a safe person to start wrestling through those. And if you're unsure of who that could be for you, know that we have a team here who would love to journey with you. Or maybe for some of us, it's an opportunity for us to listen, to be available, to be the person that someone can come and to begin to share about some of their doubts and questions. And no matter where you are in your faith journey, whether you've been following Jesus for a really long time or if you are just still exploring who he is, we do not need to be ashamed about our doubts and questions around faith or God. Doubt invites us to lean into curiosity, to bring to him our questions, to be honest, to rely on others, and to depend on him. Because when we do, we experience and discover more of who he is in new and fresh ways as we encounter the revelation of his goodness. Will you join me as we pray? God, I just pray that you would meet each one of us, whether we are in the room today or we are watching online, because you see our journey, you see where we're at, you know the questions and doubts that we have, the things we've been wrestling through, whether it's because of something that happened or it's things that just didn't make sense. And I pray that today, that truly 
we would sense you in a new way, that we'd experience a revelation of who you are, that we would maybe begin a journey of discovering you, maybe for the very first time, and that we could begin to experience really the kindness and the goodness of who you are, and that we would not be ashamed of our doubts or questions, but that we would bring them to you. In your name, amen. You've been listening to the Kensington Church Podcast. If you've enjoyed this recording, check back weekly for new content. You can find Kensington on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and of course, at kensingtonchurch.org.